Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune. I am a realtor here in the Greenville area and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes. If you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Greenville area, please reference those show notes, find my contact information, reach out. Uh, I recommend you reach out by uh, starting with a text, just in case I don't answer the phone for an unfamiliar number. But regardless, I will try to get back with you either way. And uh, just a reminder, as always, if you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever. A lot of apps have like a, a little plus button or something like that. Please do that and support the show in that way. Today, I want to be talking about renting versus buying. We've talked about this in the past, but the dynamics have changed, right? Because right now, mortgage rates, which have actually gone down lately, um, which if you're a buyer in this market or or a seller, uh, you're rejoicing at that. Uh, But mortgage rates are sitting pretty at 7.69%. And so uh, that is obviously, even though that's come down from the 8% range where they've been at for several weeks, that's still obviously much, much higher than they were a year, year and a half, two years ago. And so, and uh, going back five years ago, 10 years ago, much higher than they were even back then. And so the dynamics of whether it makes sense to rent versus buying um, are obviously much different than they have been in a very, very long time. So this is something I feel like is worth reopening uh, as a topic because of just how different the market is now versus what it has been in really a generation, right? So for some context, Greenville has historically been a place where it's much cheaper to buy than it is to rent. In other words, your mortgage payment traditionally was much cheaper if you purchased a home and put a minimal down payment, three and a half, five percent down, something like that, um, than it was if you actually just paid rent. Remember, when you rent, you're paying essentially, or, or in theory, all of the landlord's expenses. You're paying for, if they have a mortgage, you're paying for that, you're paying for their insurance, you're paying for their taxes, you're paying for the HOA, and you're paying for maintenance and vacancy rates. Otherwise, if you're not paying for those things, then the landlord is operating at a loss. And some landlords will operate at at a loss in some limited situations, but most of them are not interested in doing that. Most of them actually want to make money. And the only way to make for them to make money is if you pay off all of those expenses and then some on top. And so historically speaking, it's been cheaper to just purchase the home than to rent the home, right? Because the person that you're renting from, they had to purchase it, uh, and they probably purchased it at a higher rate than uh, or higher mortgage rate, uh, and and potentially even a higher purchase price for a variety of reasons than what you might have been able to had you just purchased it as an owner-occupant. Um, now, to get into the weeds a little bit, I'm not going to get too far into the weeds. The reason why it's historically been cheaper to buy than to rent in the Greenville area, obviously the, the low mortgage rates had a lot to, to do with that, but this was in large part due to shortages in rentals, right? Not a ton of rentals available. Um, and you add that to the fact that 
South Carolina has unbelievably high property taxes when you're renting. That is probably the most challenging part about being a landlord in the state of South Carolina because our property taxes are so cheap for owner-occupants that they have to make up for it with rental properties and commercial properties. Um, Insurance is also typically more expensive for a uh, rental property than it is for a just standard owner-occupied property, etc. There's a variety of, of things. Obviously, we talked about maintenance, uh, which has to be, you know, obviously maintenance is not factored into your mortgage payment, but if you're a landlord, you have to basically bake that into whatever your rent is. So all of these things have historically been the reason why it's been cheaper to buy than to rent. Now, we need to, as I said, we need to reassess uh, reassess this in the higher rate environment. And so that's exactly what I did for this episode. I looked at data from several neighborhoods that have a good bit of rentals and also a good bit of sales. Some of them had more rent, had way more rentals than sales. Others had way more sales than rentals. Um, but I looked at several neighborhoods, and here's what I concluded. Um, let's start with the neighborhood Chartwell Estates. I have used Chartwell so many different times in this show, and there's some good reasons for it. One is that I used to live there. I used to live in the Chartwell Estates neighborhood. This is in Greer, uh, to the west, just to the west of the airport, the GSP airport. Chartwell is a great neighborhood to use for data because there's a lot of sales and there's a lot of rentals there. So you can use the data in Chartwell Estates for a lot of different things. I really like to use it. So let's talk about what the data says in Chartwell Estates. The uh, past year, the median rent was $1,900 a month. The average rent was $1,871 a month, uh, with the lows with the with the range being between $1,595 and $2,200 a month. So that's what you're getting, roughly $1,900 a month if you're renting in the Chartwell Estates neighborhood. What about if you purchased a home in Chartwell Estates the past year? The median purchase price was $265,000. The average was $277 and change, with uh, a range of $235 to $338.5 uh, in terms of sales that happened the past calendar year. Reminder, I still have the highest ever sale in Chartwell Estates over a year ago, uh, a listing that I had still reigns supreme as the top sale ever in that neighborhood, and I think that will remain for quite some time. Um Okay, that was a, a complete aside. I just com- completely sidetracked myself with that. I did not plan to say that. Uh, but regardless, um, wh- how do these numbers compare, right? We have to, to come to a financial amortizer or, or an amortization calculator to try to determine uh, how these numbers compare. Let's talk about the median sales price, all right? If we amortize 265000 which is the median, um, and, and need to subtract the down payment, right? You're probably going to put 5% down, something like that. That's what I did for all of these numbers, for all these sales numbers. I assumed a mortgage based on a few things. First, a 5% down payment, which by the way, that's a commonly overlooked thing, but your 5% down payment, obviously if you rent, you're not putting that much down. So, so that's also something to consider in this. Um, but generally speaking, people are okay putting putting, you know, 5% down, something like that, versus putting a deposit towards the rent, which you kind of have to assume that you won't get that that deposit back, even though you hope that you will. All right, so if you amortize uh, $265,000 with 5% down, um, and then 
we're not going to account for taxes, insurance, and HOA dues and all of that just yet, okay? Just the principal and interest per month would be $1,821 a month, okay? So that is slightly cheaper than the median rent of $1,900. But I just said a very important detail, which is that I'm not including taxes, insurance, HOA dues, or maintenance. Um, we're, we're not going to talk about maintenance because that's so variable, right? If you buy a brand new home, there's not going to be a ton of maintenance. If you buy an old home, there'll be ton, tons of maintenance. Uh, Chartwell Estates is a neighborhood that has homes ranging from 10 to uh, 20-ish years old. Uh, generally not going to be a ton of maintenance, but it just depends. We're just going to leave that off. Uh, but in terms of taxes, homeowners insurance, HOA dues, you can reasonably tack on in that neighborhood an extra 250 to 300 hours a month for those three things. So even though the principal and interest payments of 1821, that is $79 a month cheaper than what the median rent is, when you factor in all of the other expenses, you are a couple hundred, maybe close to 300 hours above per month what you would be paying if you just rented. Similar things with the averages. The average rent was 1871. The average payment if you take the average sale of 277 and change and amortize that, you come up with 1878 and change. That's actually higher even before you factor in taxes, insurance, and HOA dues. Um, what about the uh, the low range of sales? 235,000. That was the cheapest sale the past uh, the past uh, 12 months. If you amortize that, you come up with 1590 a month for principal and interest. That's only $5 per month cheaper than the, the lowest rent of 1595 Again, factor in the other expenses, you're well above what it would cost to rent the cheapest house. What about on the high end of the spectrum? The high end of the spectrum uh, for renting was $2,200 a month. The sale was uh, $338,500. If you amortize that after the 5% down payment, that's $2,290. So $90 a month higher, not even including the taxes, insurance, and HOA dues. All right? That's just one neighborhood, though. Um, but I will say it's reflective of what I've seen throughout the upstate. I ran a bunch of different neighborhoods and came to the same conclusions. I'll, I'll discuss one more with you. It's a Simpsonville neighborhood um, that is known for having a lot of rentals. Uh, so it's a neighborhood, Holliston. Um, and in Holliston, the median rent was $1,975 a month. The median sale was $304,500 a month. Amortize that, you come up with 2060, 2060. So that's almost 100 hours higher than 1975 which was the median rent. Again, uh, assume taxes, insurance, and HOA is probably going to be between roughly $250 and $300 a month if you're, if you're owning. What about the average? The average rent was $1,964. The average sale was just a tad higher uh, uh, than, the, uh, than the median of $305. Uh, the average was $305,550. So that comes up with uh, monthly principal and interest of $2067, over $100 higher than the average rent. What about the low? The low rent was $1695 for the, for the past year. The low sale was $288,000 for the past year. Uh, you amortize that $288. After the 5% down, you come up with $1,948, several hundred dollars higher than the lowest rent for the past year. What about the high? The high rent was $2150 for the year. The high sale was 325 
thousand dollars and you amortize that you come up with 2199 exactly 49 dollars more expensive per month not including taxes insurance and hoa dues or any or maintenance or anything else for still 49 dollars per month higher than to rent again this was consistent those are just two neighborhoods i looked at a bunch of other neighborhoods that i won't detail on the show they all had the same results total principal interest taxes insurance plus HOA were routinely in excess of what it would cost to rent, pretty much universally in excess of what it would cost to rent. And in some cases, just the principal and interest alone would be more expensive than the rent, not including all of these other things. Now, I do want to give a few caveats, right? One is some of these neighborhoods are newer neighborhoods where there have been rate buy-downs where you wouldn't be at that 7.69%, right? That was a big assumption. I ran all these numbers off of a 7.69% mortgage rate. That's the average mortgage rate as of the day I'm recording this, which is November 2nd, 2023. Um, and so you don't necessarily have to be locked in at that number, right? You can potentially get rate buy-downs. We've talked about this in the past. A lot of newer construction neighborhoods are already offering this. You can also ask for just a normal seller to do that um, for an offer that you're making on a house. So you're not necessarily limited to 7.69%. Um, but I, I do want to make that uh, make that caveat there. I also want to make the caveat that I did not break this down based on price per square foot. I would have loved to have done that. The data was just extremely limited on the rental side of things for me to, to really do that. I do think probably the price per square foot is probably a little bit cheaper uh, on buying versus renting with the simple reason, uh, and, and again, we're assessing this on a monthly payment basis, but the simple reason is a lot of these rentals are on the smaller side of things, right? And so um, what, uh, you know, in Chartwell Estates, the median rent was 1900 the median sale was 265000 Generally speaking, the property that you're going to rent on, on average in that neighborhood is going to be smaller than the average home that sells in that neighborhood. Those are just a couple of things to keep in mind. But with all of those caveats, in general, we're dealing with an environment in which it is, generally speaking, cheaper to rent than it is to buy. And I ran some more numbers, and just in case you're curious, just a little uh, little Easter egg in here. It looks like mortgage rates would have to go below 6%, in some cases perhaps well below 6%, in order for us to get to a break-even point between buying and renting. So this is why it was so much cheaper to buy than to rent before when rates were in the threes. I'm saying we'd be at the break-even point if we got somewhere below 6%, maybe in the mid-five, something like that. When rates were well below five, well below four, then it really made more sense to buy than to rent from a financial standpoint. Uh, but right now, you can make the financial argument, and I will c come back to a counter argument here in a little bit, uh, but you can make the financial argument that it is cheaper to rent than to buy. Now, does that is that the only thing? Is that the only thing that matters when you're deciding whether you want to rent a home or whether you're or or if you're deciding whether or not you want to buy. I well, obviously the answer is no. Um there are a lot of other things to consider and I think it's helpful and and here's the direction this podcast is going to go in. We're going to explore what are some of the 
reasons why people might want to buy versus renting aside from the financial argument, right? Let's let's kind of go down that rabbit hole for a second. And I think it's helpful in short for people to think about renting versus owning as a similar thing to working for a boss versus being self-employed. Uh, there are pros and cons to each. And at the end of the day, some people really like the structure of working under someone else. I've talked to a lot of people like this that they would never have any interest in being an entrepreneur or being self-employed or anything like that because they need the structure of working under someone else. Similar, perhaps, in some ways to people renting. They don't. I've heard people say, I don't want to have to think about maintenance. I don't want to have to think about paying my uh, property taxes every year, about pricing out homeowner's insurance, all these different things. They don't want to have to think. They don't, for whatever reason, they don't have time to to mess around with those types of things. I've heard people say they've ha- they have health reasons why they, they can't be doing, you know, maintenance in, in their home. All these different things. There are a lot of good arguments. Again, it's, it's neither right nor wrong. It is based on what you feel and, and the season of life that you're in. But to go back to the self-employed versus working for the man analogy, even though some people do prefer to work under someone, a lot of people do. The, the vast majority of people work under someone versus working for themselves. But then if you talk to most self-employed people, 90% of self-employed people will tell you that they could never go back to working for the man. Like once they've had that taste of being self-employed, of, of being their own boss, they never want to go back again. I think renting is similar. Again, it's not a bad people. It's not not a bad people. It's not a bad thing. Um, and and for some people, it does really make sense, regardless of the financial side of it. Even if you're paying more to rent versus buy, for some people, it makes sense to rent, just depending on what they're going through. Um, you you may simply be more comfortable living in a property that is someone else's responsibility with a yard that is someone else's responsibility, perhaps with an internet provider that is paid for uh, by the apartment community, etc. But most people, once they've owned, they have no desire to, to go back to renting unless they are forced to for one reason or another. Now, I want to express this very clearly before we go any further. I'm passionate about homeownership. If you've listened, you know that. But I do not look down on renting. If that wasn't clear, I'm going to state it expressly. I own rental properties. I need there to be renters in the market, people that want to rent. So how could I look down on renting? I absolutely, I've never done that in the show and I never will. We need people to rent. The economy needs people to rent. But homeownership is something that Americans care about really more than I think most of the world. I'm I'm certainly not an expert on this. Um, but just I've known a lot of people and I'm in a lot of different places. I've traveled quite a bit as well. Um, most people in the United States are more passionate about home owner, home ownership than when you go to other parts of the country and there's uh, or other parts of the world. And there's a reason for that, and that is that Americans part of the American DNA is that we are all about control. We don't like others government officials, HOA presidents, landlords, etc., telling us what to do. That is an inherent part of being American. You might disagree with that, but that is, generally speaking, listen, I talk to a lot of people in this job. Most people are very obsessed 
with having control and with there not being someone telling them what to do with their personal property. Um, and I think that this is ultimately one of the key things, if not the key things, that separates someone who needs to buy versus someone who doesn't need to buy and is fine with renting, perhaps short-term or perhaps long-term. It's the issue of control and how much control you feel like you need, how much control you're okay with delegating to someone else that can do whatever they want. And this is the thing, even when you look at these numbers, listen, I've got a lot of buyer clients right now that could, in theory, pay less renting versus owning, and they don't care. Why? Because of this issue of control. Now, in my opinion, there's about five different ways that you have more control when you're owning versus renting when it comes to real estate. The first one's very obvious, cost control. Just because it's cheaper to rent now doesn't mean it will be cheaper tomorrow. So you have to, if you're renting, you always have to be thinking, what happens when rent suddenly goes up? Now, there are obviously lease agreements that, uh, that, specify some of that, but guess what? I've learned that a lot of people don't pay very close attention to their lease agreements. You must, if you're renting, you need to scrutinize that lease agreement. That is one of the most important documents you will ever sign in your life, and there could be provisions in there that allow your rent to go up pretty suddenly. At the very least, there's most likely provisions in there that your rent could go up uh, at the end of the year if you go into a month-to-month type of arrangement or if you uh, renew your lease for another year. I've heard a lot of stories as well of landlords finding creative ways to charge tenants for extra things while keeping rents where they are. Um, so, for instance, maybe your the cost of your rent doesn't go up, but maybe your landlord says, you know, maybe your preferred method of paying is by Venmo or something like that. And your landlord says, if you don't pay me with cash, I'm charging a payment processing fee. I've heard, listen, that might sound ridiculous. I've heard a ton of stories about this all over the country. Landlords doing this type of thing. And there are ways for them to extract money uh, that perhaps are unethical, uh, but ways to extract money without actually increasing your rent. Rent, the, the cost, the monthly cost, almost never goes down. But guess what? Again, cost control. Your mortgage payment, if you're locked into a 30-year fixed rate, that's a very important word, fixed rate. Not everyone is doing fixed rates uh, these days. I had a closing earlier this week that was an adjustable rate uh, mortgage. Not my client, uh, but it it was uh, my listing. Buyer got a five-year arm. But most people still have fixed rate mortgages, and those mortgages stay the same with the exception of the escrowed taxes and insurance. Uh, Taxes aren't typically going to go down, but I have seen that. I actually have seen property taxes go down, but your your straight principal and interest, that part of the monthly payment, it will stay the same for forever until you pay that off. Um, And guess what? There are actually ways that you can reduce your full monthly payment, right? One thing we didn't talk about was PMI. 
And actually, if you put 5% down, you're actually going to be paying a little bit more than even some of these numbers that we talked about before because you've got PMI that you have to that you have to pay for. But guess what? Your PMI can drop off and then your mortgage payment comes down. Guess what? Mortgage rates can can get lower. You can refinance, bring your uh, bring your monthly payment down. Guess what? You can price out your homeowner's insurance. Maybe you find a cheaper insurance rate and that can bring your escrow down, which then brings your monthly payment down. So you have more cost control when you're buying than you do when you're renting. Uh, your rent pretty much never goes down, only goes up. Your mortgage typically will stay pretty close to the same with the exception of taxes going up ever so slightly each year. Um, but there are other ways that you can bring your monthly payment down if you're buying. So cost control is the number is the is the number one thing that comes to mind. But it's not necessarily the number one thing that you should be concerned about whether you're considering buying versus renting. Here's one that I think is more important: maintenance control. Most landlords at the end of the day do not keep up with a property in the same way a homeowner does. So you might be saying, hey, listen, I'm really looking forward to renting so I don't have to worry about maintenance. But at the end of the day, and and unfortunately, this is just the reality of the situation. If you're renting from a mom and pop landlord, probably the maintenance is not going to be up to par with what it would be if you were maintaining the property yourself. That is just a reality. And and some of that is just practical, right? You're living there. The landlord's not living there. The landlord doesn't know that there's a bunch of little little things happening. And it can be aggravating sometimes to keep asking the landlord to come out and fix things. And guess what? If you keep doing that, you might, you know, get the landlord kind of upset and they might not want to renew your lease when when the time comes to to consider that. Um, so that's a very, very big factor. Right, maintenance control of your homeowner. You've already factored that in. You already know you can maintain the the property as well as you want to. Whereas if you're uh, under a landlord, you're kind of at their whim. I've seen some really good ones. I've seen some really bad ones. I've seen some instances where renters end up doing a lot of the maintenance themselves, um, and they justify it right when the rent is low. I've heard that so many times. Well, my rent is really low. My landlord doesn't do anything, so I. You know, I keep up with it myself because I'm not paying a whole lot. But now you're maintaining someone else's house, and that's another subtle way for a landlord to extract more money out of you without it showing up on his income statements and taxes. That's a great deal, right? If I'm a landlord, my tenants are are maintaining the property for me and essentially giving me a discount on what it would cost me to maintain, but then that's not reflected in my taxes in any meaningful way as income, that's great. That's perfect. That's what every landlord wants. If you're a tenant and you're doing that, I'm sorry. You've got the wool pulled over your eyes a little bit. You should not be maintaining a property on behalf of your landlord, but you have to understand the risk. If you start pinging that landlord all the time for more maintenance, you might uh, you might get under their skin. So this is one of the strange elements of renting and one of the advantages for buying. Lifestyle control. Um, this is another really, really big one. And this might be the biggest one, honestly, that I hear uh, from people. Years ago, I recorded uh, an episode of this podcast about how most people think about moving, not to, uh, you know, just get a nicer place or, or to get more space or, or things like that. 
but they want control, more control over their lifestyle. They want to improve their lifestyle. They want their kids to have individual rooms. They want to have a guest suite for when relatives come to visit. They want to be closer to work. They want to be in a different school district. They want to improve their lifestyle. This is what your home does. Your home is the thing that impacts your lifestyle as much or more than anything. And at the end of the day, it's much easier to control how you live if you're able to control where you live. And at the end of the day, this was a big one for me when I became a homeowner in my early 20s. I had rented a couple of places, the, um, and, and they had a, a negative impact on my lifestyle in multiple ways. The one was too hot upstairs. That's where the bedrooms are. I don't sleep at all if I'm hot. I And that was a season of life where I was like working night the night shift. I needed to sleep. I wasn't able to sleep. I was getting baked up there. The neighborhood wasn't great. Um, I, I kind of got robbed at one point. I say kind of. It's a story, uh, which I'm not going to tell on here at the moment. Um, uh, and then I left that apartment for, for all of those reasons. Um, and then moved to another apartment. And that apartment, I had a nasty neighbor underneath me that was banging on the ceiling to get us, you know, to get me to be quiet and get my daughter, who was a baby, to be quiet. A whole bunch of awful things. Um, and so I reached a breaking point where I was like, I have to be a homeowner. I need to control my lifestyle. I'm so sick of all of these different things that I can't control. I want nothing to do with it. I want to have my own house. And and so that pushed me to to ultimately become a homeowner at the earliest age that I possibly could make the numbers work. There's a lot of concerns over lifestyle uh, related things if you're just renting. What if the the rental sells? What if the landlord sells the property? And uh, and again, look in your lease agreement. A lot of lease agreements state that if the property sells, that the landlord has the right to give you 30 days notice to vacate the property. Uh, a lot of leases have that. Uh, even if it doesn't have that, what if the landlord sells sells the property that you're living in, and then at the end of your lease, you have to move out because the new landlord isn't interested in having you in there. They want to gut the place and and make it a, an Airbnb, for instance. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities. What if you have to do that mid-school year, right? What a what an absolutely horrible thing that could be if you have kids in school and you have to completely uproot your family and, and move maybe a much further distance from school than you would have preferred to be. Maybe now you're you're um, you know outside the school district and you might get grandfathered in, but that could cause a whole bunch of other issues. There's just a lot of different things that could uh, that could happen. What if the the new owner again, if the property sells, what if they ban pets? What if you have a pet and now there's a new landlord that comes in and says, hey, no pets. What are you going to do now? Again, look at your lease agreement because there are going to be some protections in there that even the new landlord has to follow, but they can change all of that once your lease is up. And there might be amb- ambiguities in the lease agreement or maybe things that you didn't even notice that were there uh, that might actually be able to be used against you if someone else comes into the picture. And by the way, I, all of those examples were if 
if uh, if the property changes hands to a different landlord. But what if it changes hands to a different property manager? I've seen that one as well. Um, it could go from being a landlord managed property to being a property managed property property management managed property. Um, I've seen that happen as well, where all of a sudden things get way stricter under new management. Could be changing from one property manager to another. Same thing. Um, if it gets looser, let's say that they're like, okay, actually, we're way looser in terms of enforcing things. Well, that could be negative too. That could impact your neighbors, right? Your neighbors might uh, might be you know smoking weed all the time because now there's a loose property manager and the way the ductwork is, that weed smell and the smoke smell ends up coming into your apartment or your your part of the duplex or whatever the case may be. Um, these are all things that you have limited control over when you're renting. When you're buying, you have much more control over these types of things. Um, all right, number four, architectural control. And when I say architect, <clears throat> excuse me, when I say architectural control, what I mean is essentially doing what you want with the home. The appliances that you want, adding on to the home if you want, whatever sort of gardening, you know, putting up trees, fences, things of that nature, personal touches uh, in, in terms of, you know, maybe you want to do board and batten or, or you know, a coffered ceiling or whatever the case may be, things like this, you can do whatever you want within reason if you're a homeowner. Obviously, if you have an HOA, you're subject to whatever their bylaws are, and they usually have a, an element of architectural control. Obviously, the county, the city that you're in, they might have some control over some of those things. But generally speaking, again, it's much different than if you have a landlord that this is the landlord's house, right? That's a different level of architectural control than what an HOA has over you. And that's a big one for a lot of people. A lot of people, they want to make a house into a home. One of the ways you do that is by personalizing the house and that makes it a home. Part of the way you personalize is obviously how you decorate and all of that. But some of it is some of these architectural things, making actual changes to the home. And uh, so that's a big one for a lot of people. Um, number five, this is my last one. Last but not least, location control. Okay. Now let's face it. The best homes in Greenville Generally speaking, are not rentals. That's just the reality of the speak uh, 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 the reality of the situation. Generally speaking, rentals are going to be in the pool of homes that make up essentially the the bottom twenty five percent of homes in the area. I, that number does not have research behind it. I'm going to be completely honest about that. Where I came up with the twenty five percent, that is a back of the napkin kind of number that I came up with. Um, but I truly do believe it. I, I've Again, I have rental properties. I've bought and sold many rental properties over the years. I've had many clients that have bought and sold rental properties over the years. Um, it's almost always in the bottom 25% of homes in the area. Now, there are some very nice apartments in the Greenville area, some of which are essentially brand new. Um, and many of the above concerns that I've talked about don't apply to apartments. Okay, I, I do want to clarify that. But... That's not generally what I'm talking about, right? People that are in Greenville usually don't want to live in an apartment. Usually they want to live in a house. If they're renting, usually their first choice is not to rent an apartment, it's to rent a house. 
Um, and so that's what we're talking about is among houses, among uh, duplex units, among uh, condos and townhomes, things of that nature, 25%. The, the, if you look at the bottom 25% of homes in the area, that's typically what rentals are going to consist of in terms of uh, in terms of maintenance, in terms of condition, in terms of upgrades, in terms of features, in terms of location, uh, all of these different things. Um, and usually, and th- this is something a lot of people don't think about, usually rentals are by other rentals, right? Rentals usually end up kind of in clusters, right? And uh, so oftentimes you'll see like, an entire street where it's like 50% or more of the homes on that street are rental properties. That's usually not a good thing for the street, right? Because the landlord is not going to keep up as we've already talked about. They're not going to keep up with their property as well as, uh, as well as an owner occupant will keep up with their property. And obviously the renter is not going to keep up with their property to the extent that an owner occupant will. And so these rentals unfortunately tend to, drag each other down due to a lack of pride in ownership. Or if they don't, they are simply very expensive. And we do have some very expensive rentals in the Greenville market. Uh, that would be the exception to the rule of what I've talked about uh, in terms of prices in this episode. All of this to say, if you want to open up the pool of homes available and not just have the bottom of the barrel to choose from, you almost always have to own. Almost always. That is just the reality of, of the situation. Location control. The only way to have true location control is and, and to have as many locations available to you as possible to move to is if you buy versus renting. There are far more homes to buy on the market than there are to rent. Let's look at that real quick. I'm going to pull up the Greenville MLS. I'm not going to, if you're watching on YouTube, I am not going to, to screen share. So if you if you just got really excited about the prospect of me screen sharing this, I'm not going to. Active rentals, Greenville MLS, 199 active rentals. Now, Greenville MLS is not going to have, obviously, every single thing that is for rent. A lot of people don't rent in MLS, but that's a, that's a starting point, um, about 200 Homes for sale, 3,365. So um, a, a bit of a dramatic difference between homes for sale and homes for rent. Um, and so that's that's obviously something to uh, to factor in. Now, if you've heard these five points I've made and, every, and all the other points I've made, and it doesn't resonate with you, you're just like, you know what? None of those things matter. I just want to save the money. Then renting really, really might make sense. And again, this is what I'm saying. Homeownership is not inherently for everyone, and it's certainly not for everyone at every time in their life. I already said I've rented two different times in my life, um, and that was in my case because I couldn't afford to uh, be a homeowner yet, Um, but for a lot of people, it just makes sense to rent. But if your main reason is financial, I want to end with this reminder Remember that one of the primary financial perks of home ownership isn't even uh, that it's cheaper 
than renting. Actually, in, in a lot of markets, it's not been cheaper to to uh, to buy than to rent for a very long time. This is just a new phenomenon for Greenville. But this has been true in a lot of places in the U.S. for a long time, and yet people still prefer to own versus rent. Again, we talked about all of the control things that I think are the important things, but there's another financial thing that a lot of people uh, forget about in this situation where they're just like, well, it's way cheaper to rent than to buy. Um, and that is that um, your home, if you're a homeowner, is building equity as you pay down the mortgage and as the market appreciates. So your home is gaining value. When you're renting, you're paying down the mortgage for someone else in a property that is appreciating in value for them while you live in it. So, if you want to make the financial argument for renting on the basis of it being cheaper, that really only holds water if you are investing all of the money that you're saving, right? Because what you're paying extra for buying, you are ultimately gaining value for what you're paying extra for because you're gaining equity in real estate, which has real value. That is the the quickest way for most people to build wealth is through real estate and through real estate that they have gaining equity. If you're renting, you're not gaining equity. You're literally just spend, spending that money like a commodity, right? Like you're buying a meal out. You don't you you get something for for buying a meal, right? You get a meal, you're now full, you're now hungry, but you don't ever get that money back. When you're a homeowner, you, you're paying money for a house to live in, but you also are gaining equity in addition to that. And so that's very valuable. Um, so if you're renting and you're you're saving money, if you really want to compare apples to apples from a financial standpoint, you need to not just spend that money that you're saving. You need to actually invest it. Do that and then come back to me. Um, and we'll see financially after a few years, if you're better off than you would have been if you were a homeowner. I'm not saying that you wouldn't have been, but for most people that aren't savvy investors, they would not be able to find a way to put a few hundred hours to work for them in per month in, in a way that would actually move the needle beyond what it would have if they had just been building equity in a home. And if you're just spending the money, then you're not actually saving the money, you're just spending it on other things besides shelter. Um, and then on the back end, you're you're not going to have, you know, you could have spent that money after you built equity in a home and then sold a home, which is what a lot of people have done. A lot of people too, after the home gains equity, uh, then they do a cash out refinance, allows them to stay in the home or, or a home equity line of credit, allows them to have their cake and eat it. They stay in the home and they have uh, extra money to spend as well. Obviously, your mortgage payment goes up if you potentially, if you do that. Um, if you have a home equity line of credit, that's a separate mortgage payment in addition to your normal one. So those things aren't free. Um, but there are a lot of different ways to skin the cat and a lot of different ways to consider the financial numbers. Uh, but the long story short is, again, we're in a market where it is cheaper currently to rent than to buy. But that is only part of the story, and that's not necessarily the the end of the story in terms of whether it makes sense for you to rent versus buy in this market. If you have any questions about that, let me know. 
Um, I'd be I'd love to discuss this. This might be one of my more controversial um, podcasts in a long time, believe it or not. For some people, they'll be like, well, that wasn't controversial at all. No, trust me. This is a controversial uh, topic for a lot of people. If you want to uh, argue with me about it, feel free to. Listen, I'm always down for a good argument. My contact information is in the show notes. But if you if you want a realtor to help you get out of renting and into a house you can buy, I would like that even more. Again, the contact information is there. If you like the show, like, rate, review, subscribe, all of those good things. We will talk again next time.